everyone, thanks for checking out this episode of Group Thinkers. We're in our special COVID-19 uh, series uh, and season of Group Thinkers. I'm your host, Justin McCord, and uh, delighted as a part of this episode to welcome Tim Kirsten, the CEO of RKD Group. Uh, Tim and I know each other well. Tim's been a, a multi-time guest on the uh, on the podcast uh, makes sense since he's the CEO of the company that puts together the podcast, right? Um, so anyway, I wanted to bring Tim in and, and have a chat with him specific to the stimulus package and legislation that was passed uh, as a response to COVID-19 and more specifically how that legislation impacts nonprofits. So uh, on this episode, Tim's going to talk about that legislation. He's going to talk about um, specific areas and then offer up some thoughts and some guidance and some questions that nonprofit decision makers need to be asking themselves and having as a part of their uh, decision making processes right now. So without any further ado, here is Tim Kirsten on Group Thinkers. Tim, it's good to see you. I'm used to seeing you in person, like sitting across a table from you uh, to have chats like this, but also just to chat in general. So, uh, and in fact, you and I were just talking about the level of intentionality that we put behind uh, conversations like this and how we feel so much more connected through conversations like this than we ever have in light of our current circumstances. Well, thanks, Justin. It's good to see you, too. And I do miss seeing you in the hallway. Um, uh, You you do talk about living in another dimension, and I guess you sort of do. It's a a little one-dimensional, but um, it's it's good to see you. And you're absolutely right. I think taking care of ourselves as human beings during this time of of pressure and, and stress is really important. Um, Those of us uh, at RKD, uh, our valued clients, uh, everybody, anybody right now. And this is a global, global phenomenon. Literally a couple billion people's people are, uh, are facing the same, same issues of, uh, self-care. Yeah. We're, we're really fortunate to have the communication tools we need and so forth to continue life at, at you know, uh, resembling something like normal. So it's good. Yeah. To be here. Yeah, to- totally agree. And the resembling life something like normal is a big part of this. Um, you know, th- we're looking for and gravitating towards good news stories now more than ever. <laughs> and uh, as we've been working through and our team has been sharing the impact of COVID-19, we're seeing some pretty remarkable trends in terms of the spirit of humanity, uh, yeah. people stepping up to give anything that you'd share on that front? Yeah, I, I would. Um, I, I've been seeing some of the same reports that you have, Justin. And, you know, I, I keep going back to the initial report that we received um, uh, about our top nine food banks and the trajectory of, of giving to those nine food banks, including the Food Bank for New York City and, and others, at large, primarily large market food banks, where um, uh, largely spontaneous giving, a lot of new donors uh, have gone online, uh, sought out the food banks and given money, so much so that in one uh, roughly six-day period, year over year, the increase for those top nine clients of ours was over 1,000% year over year increase. And one of our food bank clients actually um, 
uh, raised uh, their entire fiscal year uh, budget in uh, in just a couple of weeks. And I received a, an email from one of our colleagues uh, yesterday about the um, the the continuation of that giving because you, you wonder at the outset of a major crisis like this, which of course is unprecedented, so who knows what to expect, that you're going to get a burst and it's going to tail off. And in fact, the trend of the giving has held at, at a very high level. So the the uh, the spirit of humanity that that is uh, demonstrating our, itself in our country and in the world um, is a really heartening thing because sometimes the world can seem a little cold and cruel and um, and so forth. And to uh, see people uh, really demonstrate uh, spontaneous care for other people and and generosity uh, at a time they may not be able to really be terribly generous, but they are. Is, is really encouraging. And um, it's one of the reasons I love working in the nonprofit sector because we get to see these things happen and see the true heart and spirit of people uh, when asked to give to their their um, fellow humans. So it's, it's a the, beautiful. The unprecedented nature, you know, um, the 2008, we had um, an economic downturn. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, a nine to twelve month lag on the impact of of giving. So that that happened then. Even if you think about in the last two years, in December two thousand eighteen, there was an economic downturn, and we saw some immediate impact of uh, December giving being flat uh, mm-hmm. or slightly down from mm-hmm. previous years. And we conducted research and and all that good stuff on, on that. What's so interesting about this current situation is the immediate impact is up like it's it's not we're surrounded by negative news and in 2018 which is the most recent example december 2018 when we had that people went into a shell and right now you see in so many different areas yes there's a ton ton of bad news but there's also good news Mm -hmm. of people stepping up to meet needs and i think that that's fueling some of that spirit of humanity that you that you mentioned well, it reminds me a little bit about what happened after 9-11, and I think you probably weren't a fundraising professional in uh, September right. 11, 2001. I was. Uh, I was um, you know, up to my eyeballs in the aftermath of that, and it's interesting. Um, I was a consultant at that time to nonprofits in, in, a, in a prior life, and uh, the counsel that we gave clients at that time was uh, the same counsel we're giving them now, stay in the market. Don't pull back. Your organization is still needed. This will pass, um, and so forth. And uh, those who stayed in the market uh, came out very well. Mm-hmm. And and uh, those who pulled back uh, were behind the curve. And so I think one of the things that I've observed, having been both through 9-11 and now this, is that the uh, the extent of communication across the nonprofit sector and the the understanding of what what really savvy nonprofits do in the face of these kind of crises is more or less universally understood that you do stay in the market. Yes, you, you're going to have to adjust message and strategy and things like that, which we've been doing with our clients, but you don't panic and pull out. Um, and uh, across our you know 280 clients or so, uh, we have seen the overwhelming majority of them say, yeah, we're going to stay in the market. We know that we have to be there. Uh, some um, clients have a direct um, 
um, uh, relationship to the crisis food banks, for instance, I mentioned um, uh, rescue missions, uh, Salvation Army and others where they're providing social services, uh, which I think is is sort of the epicenter of a lot of fundraising activity right now. It's really urgent for us to care for our neighbors in, in providing funding to these uh, local and regional organizations. Uh, but they're, uh, they're all in the market in making adjustments. And that's, that's really good to me. I think the whole nonprofit community ha has learned and um, is, is uh, able then to adapt to this current situation uh, in a much better way than what happened, uh, you know, 20 years ago, almost 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah, and we'll see what it looks like even as we go forward. You know, yesterday, the news from Giving Tuesday of uh, a, a second uh, yes. Tuesday to give and a part of their global generosity movement, Tuesday, May 5th, Giving Tuesday now. And so I, I do agree. I agree with you. I think we're going to continue to see the extension of people stepping up. I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about uh, the stimulus package. Uh, yes. So, you know, this last week, the stimulus package was passed. It's it's going to affect, uh, you know, today and tomorrow. And uh, there are three components to this complex piece of legislation. There's the Coronavirus Preparedness and Response Supplemental Appropriations Act. There's the Family First Coronavirus Response Act. And then there's the one that's in particular uh, of interest to the nonprofit space, which is the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act or CARES Act. So uh, you have you put out a blog last week about the CARES Act and uh, and highlighted a couple of areas uh, for nonprofits in particular. Can you speak to those areas of interest? Yeah, I'm actually going to take them in reverse order from what they are in my blog, and and uh, I'm going to hit the the funding for the United States uh, Postal Service. Um, as I pointed out, 8.7% of all fundraising revenue in 2019 was given online. Now, we all wish that a lot more money was given online than 8.7%. It feels like that number's been stalled there for a number of years, and um, I think this current crisis may be an inflection point. We're certainly seeing it with, with a number of our clients that far more people are, are, are giving online spontaneously. So, so that's a very good thing. But the reality is that um, if 8.7% of all fundraising revenue is online, then the remaining percentage, and I'm not a math guy, so I'm not going to attempt that math, um, it is, uh, it is, is direct mail. And we're heavily dependent upon the U.S. Postal Service. There's been conversation and express concern uh, about the Postal Service going bankrupt and um, and, and therefore then, then what happens. Um, you know, the, the Postal Service has been struggling, uh, and if it were a normal business, not not an essential business under, under federal guidelines, uh, you know, if it were a regular business, obviously it would have been out of business a long time ago. It's not a regular business. It, it's a key part of our our, our national infrastructure, uh, certainly if, if you study deeply uh, about the role of the Postal Service in national emergencies, uh, delivering uh, medications, you know, over a billion people received their medications through the Postal Service last year. Um, the thought that our federal government would allow that to collapse and no more Postal Service, not going to happen. Yeah. Postal Service. You're saying I, I don't need to go 
out to West Texas and get a horse to start delivering. No, I don't think so. If you would okay. like to restart the the, uh, the the Pony Express, you're more than welcome to do that as a private venture. And Okay. <laughs> okay. Up I appreciate the, the permission to do that on the side. Yeah. Uh, up to you, Justin. Yeah, let me know how that goes for you. But but right. my, my point is the, the Postal Service is absolutely vital. Our federal government will find a way. The Postal Service has been shrinking. I mean, the number of mail pieces going through the system, this is not a new problem. Is the problem made worse by the present realities? Absolutely, yes. But in terms of our national economy, and many, many factors, the Postal Service will be funded one way or the other. I know that, know that advocates didn't get everything they wanted in the most recent bill. They wanted a lot more. But nonetheless, um, you know, $10 billion uh, treasury loan as part of the CARE Act uh, certainly kicked in. That, that will help. And there will be more backstops, uh, I'm, I'm confident. Um, the, 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 other, the other fact, so I, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back to that. I'll, the, 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 I think there's a little bit of fear-mongering going on around the Postal Service, and I, I would just encourage people to kind of bring that down a little bit. I don't think that sky is falling, okay? And I don't believe it will. Um, the funding options, you know, for nonprofits with 500 fewer employees will be able to get up to $10 million in SBA loans to fund their operations. If they keep their employees on payroll through, through June 30, those loans may transform into, into grants. I think that's really, in general principle, a good thing. And um, there are lots and lots of ins and outs. You know, I haven't even begun to think about looking at the loan applications and, and all those kinds of things. Um, there are people who are smarter and better positioned uh, and nonprofits to navigate all of that stuff. Um, I think what it says to me is a recognition on the part of our federal government that nonprofit organizations play a vital role. In, in in our national uh, economy and uh, financial economy, and I'll call it social economy. Uh, giving to nonprofit organizations has been a persistent 2% of GDP for a couple generations now. Right. And, and um, uh, it goes up a little bit sometimes, it goes down a little bit sometimes, uh, depending on economic news and, and, and various factors, but um, philanthropy, individual philanthropy, is uh, just woven into the fabric of our country, and it has been from the beginning. And not to go down an academic rabbit rabbit hole, but uh, Alexis de Tocqueville, you know, came to America in the early 1800s and traveled around and tried to figure out what is it about this country that makes it so unique. And he talked in his book Democracy in America about the uh, the, the the um, voluntary organizations that where people come together around issues or causes to give their time and their talent and their treasure to help those things happen independent of, of government action. And, um, and so that spirit is still very much alive in America. We're seeing it right now and it's really encouraging. And I don't expect it to go away just because we got clobbered by this coronavirus. This will pass but I'm confident that our essential DNA as a country will will uh, be sustained. And so uh, I, I got a little far afield there. You know, I, I'm not going to opine on whether a nonprofit should apply for a loan or not. It, you know, it depends on every every particular circumstance. Um, I, I just hope that nonprofits are deeply thoughtful about that process as opposed to being reflexive. Um, 
you know, about getting the money, maybe this is a good time for nonprofit leadership to uh, to think more deeply or rethink their mission and so forth. Um, if if a nonprofit, I'm going to go out on a limb here for a moment, and you can edit this out if I go too far. Just saw <laughs> that limb off behind me, but right. but if if, um, if a nonprofit finds that it it can't sustain itself on on donations uh, or the donations that do come in, if there's a, a complete collapse, if they're so small that and, and their donor pool is so small. Um, you know, maybe they ought to think about merging with a nonprofit has a similar mission. I think there's been a lot of proliferation of nonprofit organizations in the last decade or so. We're now up to more than 1.5 million. Uh, it could be argued there may be a few too many in certain sectors, and this may cause a reevaluation, uh, which I would encourage nonprofits to do instead of just reflexingly, let's go get our money. So yeah, I, I agree. I think that the the opportunity is there for, like you said, some deep thought. Are, and and including you know uh, from the executive director level, the CFO, their general counsel, uh, their you know their tax professionals that they like having, you know a um, having your own summit and not yeah. making unilateral decision of this money's out there. Let's go get it. Let's be mindful of. Uh, where we are as an organization before we pursue a particular path. And you're right, there has been a tremendous amount of conversation in certain circles around uh, the opportunity for nonprofits to join with a peer and yes. go further in solving the problem that they're trying to solve. So, right. you know, that could be an opportunity at this point in time. Yeah, I'd just like to add one more note of color on that. And, and that is, uh, really well-run nonprofits have a balance of um, of funding sources that that maintain their equilibrium. And if you get over-dependent upon one, you, you can get wobbly, especially if that one goes away. I think of uh, nonprofits that are uh, heavily dependent upon walks and runs and events and things like that. Nothing wrong with that. And, and you know, who would have ever imagined that we would encounter a crisis like this where all those things got shut down overnight? But it does point to it's like investing you know why are mutual funds uh, uh valuable well it's because you spread your risk across a whole bunch of different equities or whatever and i think uh, uh nonprofits need to begin thinking about the same thing um with respect to their funding sources so to the extent to which a 10 million dollar grant would make the organization lopsided um and overly dependent upon that uh, as sort of a one-off and I, nonprofit leaders need need to be very circumspect about that. Sure, and, totally agree. Yeah. So, you know, the other aspect is universal deduction um, of of up to three hundred dollars uh, in charitable deductions. I, you know, I think that's a good thing. I don't have a lot to say about it. I think again, going back to what I said about uh, the federal government's and the American public's traditional high regard for nonprofit organizations. It comes through in the fact that we do provide these deductions. Not every country does give deductions for charitable giving. And so, you know, from the federal government standpoint, um, there's a lot of revenue that is foregone as a consequence of, you know, $425 billion was given to charity last year, give or take a few. And, and uh, so th those entities that, you know, that's, that's money that, that the federal government is giving up, but there's a, there's a trade-off for the greater good of having a, a robust um, uh, charitable sector. And, mm -hmm. and um, so the fact that, 
uh, charitable deductions persist at whatever levels and by whatever mechanism, I think is a very good thing for our country and it's a very good thing for nonprofit organizations. I really don't want to think about uh, the idea that some have actually proposed of eliminating all charitable deductions. We know that people give uh, for matters of the heart, not for matters of the tax code, generally speaking, mm -hmm. overwhelmingly speaking. Nonetheless, um, I, th I think it's more than symbolic. It's actually a, a practical uh, uh, a practical help to our economy and to nonprofits that we have that deduction. And, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned that last part because I do think that there will be some thought given to the tax laws that were put in place in, in 2018 uh, and, you know, the move to uh, removing the itemized deduction and how this universal deduction plays into, you know, the fact that itemized deductions have gone down. And uh, I, I agree with you. I think that there's a little bit of a short game, long game there yep. in terms of uh, of right now people are stepping up and so let's highlight even from the the stimulus package let's uh, let's reiterate the importance of people stepping up and helping those around them whether or not that's you know giving up your time or your talents as you said uh, and so I do think that there's this balance and interplay and one's not going to completely wash out the other et cetera correct absolutely. Well, it's super interesting stuff. Um, uh, you know, I know we continue to follow uh, a handful of, of folks. I know that the Nonprofit Alliance is very dialed in uh, as to these things. So that's that's one source that, uh, that people can go to for uh, continued information and links to specific places where they can uh, find out more information or begin the loan and grant application process. So... Uh, Tim, I, I really do appreciate you taking some time away in the middle of the day uh, amongst you, all your phone calls and checking in on team members and whatnot uh, and clients to uh, to chat. Well, Justin, thank you for your time. Appreciate your thoughtfulness. I appreciate what you and, and the team are doing to uh, uh, push out a lot of communication uh, to our clients into the nonprofit market uh, generally. Uh, on this issue and how to respond. It is unprecedented. Nobody has all the answers and many of us have zero answers because we've <laughs> never gone through this before. And so we yeah. have to, you know, keep the faith and keep doing best practices and be sensitive to our donors and, uh, and their needs, uh, but never forgetting that people want to give. They want to make a difference in the world. They want to do something that helps make the world more humane, just, and compassionate. And many, many millions of Americans are stepping up to it. And um, I, I'm grateful to see that and grateful that we can be a part of that, that entire uh, process. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Tim. Have a good rest of your day. You too, Justin. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, so there's the chat with Tim. And, uh, you know, I, I love getting to chat with Tim on a day-to-day -day basis, but... Um, just like a lot of conversations, things are, are so much more meaningful right now whenever you have that veil of separation that we're all feeling in isolation of being in home offices and being remote. So it was good to be able to see Tim and have this sort of a conversation. Uh, I really do value his perspective in the areas that he emphasized as a part of the CARES Act and the impact that this has on nonprofits. Uh, there are so many tough decisions that nonprofit decision makers and nonprofit leaders are having to make right now. And involvement in the CARES Act is one of them. 
And so, you know, we we really do hope that this helps provide some guidance and uh, a basis for resources. There are lots of folks who are putting out content around the CARES Act and how to uh, get involved. Uh, we would suggest looking at the nonprofit alliance, tnpa.org, and to look at the content that they're putting out. We think it's it's uh, exceptionally helpful from our perspective. So again, thanks to Tim for spending time uh, sharing his perspective and talking through this. Uh, the The team at RKD Group has put together a resources page. You can go to rkdgroup.com and there's a lovely little pop-up that uh, invites you to check out the resources page. If you hover over the blog section in the navigation on the site, you can also see the, a link to the resources page there. That's got all sorts of content, both stuff that our team is creating and stuff from uh, other organizations so that we can, uh, in our own way, amplify things that we see happening in the nonprofit uh, marketing space as a result of COVID-19. So uh, appreciate you checking out this episode and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll continue to put out new stuff uh, in the coming days and weeks. And so we appreciate all the feedback and commentary that we're getting on social media. If you'd like to, you can follow us at Group Thinkers on Twitter and on Instagram. And with that, we'll wrap up this episode. We'll see you next time. See you down the road. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers, Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers.